We began this service waving palm branches, shouting what? Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David, singing all glory, Lord, and honor. See, Redeemer King. Now that's a picture. What we did today was a picture of what was happening in Jerusalem as Jesus was making his way in to the town. It was a joyous, exciting time. They're right up the Passover, and Jesus is coming in. You can almost sense that something powerful and new was in the air. And Jesus rides in on a donkey, and then some people literally spread their clothes down for him to ride over. And they proclaimed him the son of David. And then, just a short time later, actually over a period of a few days, we hear these same people yelling, crucify him, crucify him. What happened? What caused this change to take place? We're going to look a little bit at that. We're going to look at Jerusalem at the time. And you have to remember that this is over our period of Holy Week. Originally, this service was Palm Sunday and then the Passion on Good Friday. We split it up. It wasn't all together until the last 20 years or so. Okay. It's definitely a conflicted liturgy. We're shouting Hosanna at one point. We're shouting crucify him at the other. We celebrate Jesus, and then we reject Jesus. From waving our palm branches to um, being a part of a negative, a negative crowd. So what's happening in Jerusalem at that time? Okay. Jesus' entry, entering Jerusalem from the east side of the city. He's coming in on a donkey, and we've just gone over all the things that were happening to him and the crowds as he was doing it. He was cheered, there's joy, there's expectation, and the word son of David carried huge, huge import. David had been the king, the gracious, kind, loving, uh, well, well thought of king. And that's what the Jews are looking for in the Messiah. They're looking for a new David, somebody who's going to be their special king, their king of kings. So Jesus is entering from the east side. But on the western side of Jerusalem, there is another procession coming in. And this is Pontius Pilate. He is leading a procession of Roman soldiers into the city because they know Passover is about to take place. Now, the Romans are in power. They permit Passover to happen, the celebration, which they know well was the Jews getting out of the land of Egypt and becoming their own people. But they're going to allow this to happen. But they're going to make sure that they're in charge, that it's done in an orderly way, that nothing is going to go awry. So they are walk they are coming in. And this is an amazing spectacle of power. We have Pontius Pilate on his 
horse. We have the soldiers following him. Each soldier was clad in leather armor. They wore shiny helmets on their heads. They sported swords and spears. They were dressed to the hilt. The archers carried bows and arrows. And in all, it was an amazing display of strength. Further marked by the fact that the drummers were playing a cadence that they marked to. This is a symbol of power and authority. And they want everyone to know it. It was impressive. So, and it's, and it's a political power. It's obvious that it's political. So, they want to make sure that the Jews know who is in charge. So we have two separate entrances to Jerusalem going on. One very humble, Jesus on a donkey. Zechariah predicts that the Savior, the Redeemer, the Messiah will come on a donkey. It's a symbol of peace. He's coming in peace to save his people. So, and then we have the majestic um, display of power put on by Rome. So it's a symbol of the power and might on Rome's side versus the humble entrance by Jesus. So, it's really a clash of kingdoms. It's a clash of the kingdoms of the world versus the kingdom of God. It's the might of Rome against the Jewish hope to be relieved from the burden of Rome, to have a king, one in the line of David, that will be, in their mind, somewhat of a political king as well. Yes, he will be religious and faithful, but he will make life good for the Jewish nation. So, this clash is about to begin David is, I mean, uh, Jesus is supposed to bring as the son of David, bring back the glory of Israel. And the Romans are not about to let that happen. So, as the processions begin, we see two totally different worldviews. We see the power, and we see the religious more um, worldview waiting for this, this amazing king to come in, the savior of the people, the Messiah. So what goes wrong? Where are the folks who wave the palm branches on that Sunday morning? Where are they on Friday? What has happened? Why are they now yelling, crucify him? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the hopes and expectations of the Jewish people. There have been hints and rumors that this Jesus is going to be amazing. He hasn't even heard words, Son of God, he's going to be the new king of Israel in their mind. And they have very definite ideas about what this king should, should be doing. They have a certain they anticipate, they have a certain expectation for Jesus. So, that's where we are as we enter. And over the course 
of days, over the five days or whatever it takes, these hopes and expectations begin to die. For one thing, Jesus, this one they consider the Messiah, keeps telling his disciples he's going to do what? Die. Okay. That is not the job description for a king. Not in the view of Jewish mindset. They're not looking for a king who's going to die. They're looking for a king who's going to knock the Romans out. And they feel like that. And then, as the story unfolds, we find Jesus saying with his disciples, this is the final meal that I'm going to share with you. My final meal. This bread that I give you is the symbol of my body. And this wine is the symbol of my blood. Then we're going to find out that Judas does what? Betrays Jesus. Peter says, Jesus, I'm behind you 100% of the way. Nothing, nothing will make me fall away. And Jesus says, Peter, you're going to fall away. You're going to deny me three times. No, no, no. I couldn't possibly have done that. Caiaphas and all the priests are enraging the crowds by saying that Jesus is speaking blasphemy. He's claiming to be the Son of God. And in general, as we reach the end of that week, the crowds are forced to recognize they are not getting the Messiah they wanted or expected. Now, think about what happens in your life when you have an expectation and it isn't met. When you have a desired outcome and it doesn't happen. How do you respond to that? How often do we get angry and turn away or resentful? And that's the kind of thing that I think is happening in this crowd. They are not getting what they wanted, what they conceived as the Messiah and the Messiah's job. And so, Oftentimes, when your expectation is not being met, you get disappointed, and you kind of turn your back on things. Expectations are dangerous. Sometimes. It's also, expectations can be good. But when your expectations are not met, what happens to you? We want a physical healing, and it doesn't happen. We make elaborate plans for a vacation, which we did go to Jerusalem a few years ago, and it was all canceled. Our $5,000 on our plane tickets that they wouldn't refund. I mean, it's very depressing when expectations are not met. I mean, you pray and you think, Lord, if only you did, then I'll be back. And we don't get that expectation met, or we don't get it met 
in the way we think it should be and I think that's exactly what we're seeing in the crowds as they fall away from Jesus. So, I think one of the themes of this service, of this Palm Sunday, is to, is to make us look and examine how we deal in these times of life. How do we deal with this disappointment? Jesus wasn't doing what the crowd, the cheering crowd wanted, and so they began to fall away. You know, when he was riding in on the donkey and everybody was shouting Hosanna, it was easy to be a part of the crowd. Things were looking up. But when their expectation level wasn't met, it didn't work so good. And sometimes we get angry and resentful and um, do things we later regret. And I think that that's what's happening with this crowd. There's a tension that exists very strongly in this liturgy. I said it's conflicted. It's almost schizophrenic that we're Hosanna on one hand and crucify him on the other and we slam it together. But isn't it often a picture of our lives? We're faithful, and then, well, Jesus, I'm like that. He didn't do what I wanted. So we're a little resentful. Maybe we don't to go to church for the next few weeks because we didn't get what we wanted. I think that is exactly that tension that exists. It's the power of this liturgy. It's a tension that reminds us that we have to go ahead and trust and hold on even when what we might have asked for or wanted didn't happen. It's easy to turn away. It's much harder when we, when we have to stay faithful when things are not going as we want. So, we certainly live in a world where lots of things don't seem to be going the way we want. So I began the service by saying that there's two different worldviews. Jesus on a donkey, king of peace, and Pilate, political king. But even Pilate doesn't want anything to do with this by the end. But when Jesus entered the city, Jerusalem was already in turmoil. The Pharisees had already caused a large and again, that very turmoil of the city reminds us of the turmoil that goes on in our lives all the time. Not just the personal thing, but the turmoil of the world. How about the wars, the earthquakes, the floods we've been reading about? How many trains have overturned in the last two or three weeks? Foreign world leaders, inflation, post-COVID fears, school shootings, violence in general, the list goes on and on. Where is God in all of this? Where is God in all of this? And that's the power of this liturgy. It forces us to stand back and realize that he is working, that he is 
present, that it may not be exactly meeting our expectations, but we have to stay faithful as people of God. We have to stay faithful and share our knowledge and love of God with the people in the world today. I imagine most of us have expectations that are unmet. We're disappointed about things. But Palm Sunday reminds us today that there is a God. It is not going to work out the way the Jewish nation wanted. But when we look ahead to Easter, they certainly get what? Their Messiah. Not the way they expected, but it will happen. And so often in our lives, what we think we want and don't get turn out to be blessings. <laughs> think back over your life. But we can get so caught up that we forget to remember who's in charge and that we are truly the beloved. That God loves each and every one of us and wants only the best in our lives. So, welcome to Palm Sunday, a time of hosannas and then the angry crucified. And realize that we too live in that tension. When all's going well, we're happy as clams. When all's not going so well, we're not always very grateful. Paul Sunday calls us back into that realization that that's the Jerusalem in our lives. That's the Jerusalem time when we need to look for God even when we don't see him meeting our expectations. Amen. Amen. Amen.